Good morning, folks, and welcome to episode three of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts, Lewis and Clark. This week, we have Ryan Egan on the show with us. Ryan is a good friend and fellow PE teacher who is currently teaching abroad in Madrid. The aim of today's episode is to get some insight into what it's like to teach abroad compared to teaching in Scotland, along with some pros and cons. We will discuss various different topics and see if we can answer the main question, is it worth it? So, without further ado, I think it's time to get started. Hola, buenos tardes El Nero, que tal? Hola, how are you doing mate? Muy bien, gracias. Right, that's as far as my Spanish goes mate. How's your Spanish coming along? Have you improved in your chat lines when you were out partying in Madrid that you were telling me about the other day? Clark, I'm about as successful as chatting up women on Spanish soil as I was on Scottish soil. Not very, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ryan. I was speaking to your dad in Tesco car park last week, keeping a two-metre distance, of course. He was asking me about the podcast and uh, how it was going in terms of viewings. I said it's still early days, so not, not too many people was listening. He was saying to get a scandal on the show. That would get people listening. So I've done just that today, getting Mr. Egan on board. <laughs> Indeed, mate. I was up bright as a button this morning. 7.30 my alarm was set for. But I woke up at half six. Went a wee walk. I was buzzing to speak to you today, mate. Likewise, mate. Likewise. Listen, Ryan's enthusiasm for PE and sport oozes out of him. Having worked with Ryan together in probation year, I know what he brings to a department in terms of his class. So without further ado, I'll pass back over to Lewis. First thing I want, to, I want you to start us off with, Ryan, um, before we get started pestering you with any questions, could you give the people listening a brief spiel about your journey since graduating as a PE teacher and also a bit of an insight into the school you're currently working in? Because I think your route is quite unique and it shows that you don't necessarily need to go straight from your probation year into full-time work as what people might kind of expect. Yeah, so... I qualified from Edinburgh University with a PE teaching degree about five years ago. And then I spent my probation year working alongside Clark at Calderside Academy in Blantyre. I felt absolutely mentally exhausted having, having worked for one full year with Clark Burrell. <laughs> so I then spent the next year <laughs> travelling and relaxing around Australia and New Zealand, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, came home and then worked at Braidhurst High School in Motherwell for a couple of years. And since then, I've moved to Madrid and I've currently been working in an international school here in Spain for the last year or so. So, and in, in, in the international school, is it mainly like international students or is there a lot of Spanish students there as well? It's a bit of a mix. So there's kids from all over the world and the, the sort of common denominator is that every single one of them speaks Spanish and they all speak English. All the lessons are delivered in English, but like I say, there are kids that are from all over the place. So you don't necessarily need to be fluent in Spanish to go over there and teach, which is which is good. Well, it's a relief for me because mm. they wouldn't learn a bloody thing off me. <laughs> um, before, <laughs> I, before we move on, I think it's um, a good point you made there. You took a year out after your probation year to travel. Was that always your plan? I think so, and that I'd... Always had intentions of going travelling and Australia and New Zealand had always appealed to me. And I thought once I'd made a wee bit of money from my probation year, that was probably the perfect chance to do that. So I, it seemed like a good opportunity and it seemed like the right time for that kind of thing. 
And before see see before doing that, what was your your thoughts? And I've just finished my PE teaching degree. I'm going to go away travel. Did you think that was going to hinder your prospects of getting a job, or was that did that ever cross your mind? Because I think a lot of people have that fear if if they want to take a year out after uni that it's going to give them a black mark almost. I to an extent there was people that had said to me, "Look, you're putting yourself at risk of not getting a job when you come back," or as you say, you're sort of like your card's marked, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to go to Australia and I knew that yeah. I may not have that opportunity or as good an opportunity to do that um, at any other point during my career. So I was quite enthusiastic about doing it anyway. Yeah, right. right. When, you're speaking, when you were speaking about the, um, the kids not understanding what you're saying, that, and that would mean that they wouldn't uh, learn anything from you. Nothing's changed there then, eh? From the plan <laughs> <laughs> So, no, you're quite right. so, te- so, so teaching be on the bridge, mate. You'd know all about that, Clark. It takes one to know one, eh? Big, big difference to teaching on that sand-based astroturf and vampire, eh? Definitely, mate. It's a big difference. Definitely. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm mm. curious to find out, Ryan. What what motivated you to take the step to move abroad, and how did it come about? Well, something that I'd always wanted to do after university, having spoke to other colleagues and pals at university that went and done similar things. Neil Richardson from Calderside, for example, Clark, he'd often yep. talked about his time in Berlin teaching at an international school and how much he loved that and how much he got out of that. So that was motivating mm-hmm. for me. Um, this time last year as well, when I was beginning to look into the prospect of teaching abroad, I was 25 years old and didn't really have too many commitments that were tying me down at home. So I thought the timing was right. And... I knew that that wouldn't be the case forever. So I felt quite committed about doing what I was doing at that point, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you didn't have too many, too many commitments. So that's probably the best time to do it when you're young and you've got the chance. Because you don't want to look back Absolutely. on it and regret it if you didn't. I know, and I feel fortunate so I did it? it at the time that I did it because if I tried to do it this time this year, then... Obviously, mm-hmm. with the current situation and the complications with that, then I just don't think that kind of thing would be possible at all. So I feel fortunate that I ended up going for it. I, th- I think that also yeah. shows you that you just, if you if you want to do something, just go for it because you just don't know what's around the corner. Like, that's, this situation's taking everything away from most people. So I think if you're, you feel like you want to do it, I think for people, they should just go for it. I think that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Spot on. So what was the process you went through to teach abroad? Like, what's all the nitty-gritty details that you have to kind of jump, all the, all the kind of holes you need to jump through to, to get there? Well, once I'd made a decision that I probably wanted to go for a job teaching abroad, I began searching for jobs on TESS, which is like the online database for teaching jobs worldwide, for those that don't know it. Yeah. And the process itself for getting the job that I got was relatively straightforward in terms of you submitted an application form. If you were successful at that stage, you went through a couple of rounds of Skype interviews. So that was all fine. But for me personally, initially, I didn't really have much direction as to where to begin looking. And I was looking at just ridiculous places to begin with. Um, I can remember thinking to myself... Like where? I can remember looking at jobs in like Sao Paulo and Bali, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that and I can remember having a, I know, that I know, I know it would have been decent, but I can remember like having a conversation with my mum. I was sat at the, the kitchen table back home with my mum and dad, um, 
And I said, oh, by the way, Mum, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about applying for a job in Sao Paulo. And she just told me to behave myself. <laughs> well, and so think, after that, I was like, right, I need a bit more direction. Thank you. I know, but it's job. like... Me and Lewis would be able to help you with a few contacts over there. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, you're well qualified, you too. So after that, I was like, right, I need to have a bit more direction here. I need to have a little bit more of a... Um, a sort of a thought process as to what would make uh, a suitable destination. So the first thing I started to do was uh, I considered the fact that I wanted to work somewhere where the education system and the school system was quite strong. There was no point in moving to a country that was beautiful with white beaches and palm trees and all the rest of it, only for the school that I was working in to be a complete riot. So that was one thing. The second thing I decided was that I wanted to move somewhere that had some culture and some history that I was actually interested in. I knew that I could go to like Dubai or Qatar or the mm-hmm. likes and earn good money, but I was more interested in learning about Madrid, the culture here, the football teams, all that kind of thing. Um, so that was another thing. The yeah. third thing I thought was really important for me was I wanted to learn a new language. So. This gave me the perfect opportunity to um, begin learning Spanish, although I'm still absolutely rotten at it. Um, the fourth thing I thought was important was that um, the weather was definitely a draw. Coming to Madrid and coming to Spain, that was certainly appealing, um, knowing that the weather was quite favourable throughout the year. And the fifth and final thing that I thought was important was that I needed to be somewhere that was relatively close to back home, just so you can get back mm-hmm. for whatever reason to see your pal's family whatever else so once I took all that into consideration I began to think and applied myself I was like right where would be decent European wise Spain would definitely be suitable and Madrid and Barcelona were two that really appealed to me and fortunately I was just successful in this particular school that I'm at at the moment. Brilliant, a huge admiration for what you've done. Were there, any, were there any moments in the build-up where you maybe doubted yourself in your decision or did anyone try and talk you out of it? You spoke a wee bit about when your mum said you can forget about going to Brazil. Was there anybody that maybe kind of tried to talk you out of what you were doing? Not really, to be honest with you. I felt quite self-confident in myself having been to Australia and New Zealand. and So I felt quite assured mm-hmm. in the whole process. And I don't know, like I think everything's been excellent so far. And my, my apartment's really nice in the centre of town and I've got three really good flatmates so mm-hmm. I've definitely landed my feet in that respect mm-hmm. and I don't feel but like there was anybody that really tried to talk me out of it so that's it was all quite positive. When you were talking about um, you know you've got confidence in yourself because you've always had that experience travelling. Lewis you've obviously been to Australia as well and travelled about the last eight months. Did you yeah. have any moments of doubt or did you have to Jumped through any hoops that were that were quite tricky and try to get a PE teaching job in Australia. Or was it pretty um, straightforward for you? It was a bit of a process actually when I when I got to Australia because I wasn't sure. I thought that's what I was going to do if I was going to manage to get my accreditation and stuff when I got out there because, uh, unlike Ryan, I never done mine prior to going out, so I had to sort all mine when I was out there. Um, and then I managed to get in touch with a guy through social media who run delivers PE the PE curriculum in primary schools and from there I had to get my New South Wales accreditation and there was just so much like I had to go to police stations and stuff and get all my university certificates JP that's called there so it's by a justice of the peace 
and they like stamp it and sign it to say that it's a legit copy of the original one. Um, and then right. you have to submit them onto this like online website and everything. So there was loads of loads of things like that, and then you had to wait a, a couple of weeks for it to get approved. And then that was only to allow me to teach in private schools or in Catholic schools. But to become qualified to teach in public schools, you need you need to go for a teaching suitability interview with the Department of Education over there. So there was it was quite a process if I wanted to go down that route. But by that time, I had already secured a job back home to come back home to. Um, so I just kind of did the, the primary P teaching in private schools and, and Catholic schools and was able to do it that way. So I didn't end up you, getting around to doing my full accreditation. How did you find the primaries compared to the secondary? The kids were certainly more enthusiastic. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a nightmare trying to teach in Australia with a Scottish accent as well to primary school kids. Half of them couldn't understand me, so it taught me a lesson in being clear with my instructions and my communication, for sure. So if there's one thing I've taken from it, it's, it's that. But um, yeah, you've it got to be clear in the instructions. Yeah, very important. Very important because the, 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 the pupils just disengage or they don't understand what you're saying, so you need to, to make sure they're clear. And I've taken I've taken a lot of a lot of ideas home that I can use in my own teaching practice as well from from there. So it's it's definitely benefited me going out there and doing it. And it was lovely, it was lovely to do it in the in the sunshine as well. So yeah, you had to be a bit bothered with the bushfires, though, didn't you? But it sounds like the two you have had a have had a great uh, experience abroad. And um, when you were talking about the kids not understanding your accent and having a wee bit of bother, I might try an Australian accent because the kids in Bantai don't listen to me in Scottish. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. I, don't think that, I don't think that'd get in too well <laughs> Well, you never know You can always try Go on, Give us an impression of your best Australian accent Give us a learning intention in your best Australian accent Good day, mate There's a shark in the water <laughs> That's terrible Right, Ryan, I'm sure, I'm sure there are similarities to the PE curriculum in Scotland, but what are the main differences that you've noticed in terms of teaching and learning approaches? Well, there are similarities in terms of the, because our school operates on a, like, a British model, so kids sit GCSEs, they sit A-levels, and they follow a similar timetable in terms of like subjects that they would at school in England, certainly, um, and some areas of the UK. So, like, in terms of PE, the school follows a similar format as well. Um, kids are taught football, basketball, badminton, activities like that. Um, but I would say there are definite cultural differences between the kids that you're teaching. So that just stems from the fact that, like, Spanish people culturally are so different from certainly people in the UK and everywhere else, um, I would say. So, like, in general, Spanish people are so sociable, they're so loud, they're so, like, confident um, in the way that they like converse and have conversations and stuff like that and I think that just stems from the fact that they're regularly just eating tapas and drinking every single night with their friends um, on a sort of like daily basis um, and that's just like ingrained in their culture but it begins to like work I couldn't do that, that no nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds brilliant you'd be off the rails <laughs> I could do that with a tapas in Govan Hill, Clark. I don't think that would work as well. <laughs> It'd last one day. Um, last time you were in Govan Hill, we didn't have tapas anyway. Taps off. 
<laughs> anyway, as I was saying, the kids themselves, they're, the, they're really chatty because it's just sort of ingrained in their culture. So mm-hmm. that can be a bit of a, a shock for new staff that are going in and, and are not used to kids just being so conversational at all times during the lesson. So um, you need to adapt to that. And the way that I try and do that is always try and put really clear rewards and sanctions in place during lessons so that pupils understand there are clear boundaries and that usually is positive results. But I think it's just about understanding that you're in a different culture so you need to adapt to that and can't expect the kids in Madrid to respond in the same way as the kids from Motherwell, obviously. Yeah. Do you think it's a lot lot different in that respect then from from back home? I'd say so. Kids are hard working, definitely. The kids that I teach are are, um, are really quite academic and stuff like that, but you just need to respond to them in different ways to, to motivate them and, and get them working, I would say. What about in terms of like respect culture? Sounds good. Schools? Like, based on your, your experience, like, would you say there's a massive difference between teacher and pupil? Like Respect, if that makes sense. So do you feel the pupils are more respectful towards you as a, on the whole, or is it just very much my muchness? I think it's quite similar. To be honest with you, I think it's all just based on the relationship that you're able to build with them. And yeah, um, absolutely. Fortunately, I've been able to have remember, decent relationships when, in both places. I remember when we went to Brazil, that the the respect that they showed their, their elders there and their coaches and, and myself and Lewis that were they were coming up and shaking their hands at the kids and like showing respect and yeah, it was, was a, you could really you could really sense that there was deeply rooted in Brazil. Um, remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would walk in and give their coach a handshake and a hug and then that would start the training session. Like, it's just totally different. That just wouldn't happen here. I think that might just be down to the fact that they were so delighted to see you two. You need to remember that. <laughs> they heard all about you. <laughs> just the same as you, sleep- same as you had a sleepless night because I was so excited for today, Ryan. Rematch <laughs> anyway. Give you a hug if I could. <laughs> anyway, apart from um, apart from missing out watching Celtic in the East End of Glasgow, Ryan, what else are you missing about Scotland, or even what's the most annoying thing that you're, you're that you're finding working in Madrid? I'd say the the most annoying thing like about <clears throat> living in Madrid, it's just a a little thing. I would say is that it's such a busy city. It's so highly populated, and um, it feels so busy and the way that impacts on us is getting to and from school through traffic can take absolute ages. Um, our school's a wee bit out of town, it's like 40 minutes um, outside the sort of like centre of Madrid. So um, getting there in the mornings can take anything between 40 minutes but it can go all the way up to like an hour and 15 depending on traffic and depending on the weather and stuff like that. So as well as that, getting about town in the centre of Madrid is often absolutely mobbed. But that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing as well because it just adds to the sort of like atmosphere and the the buzz, I suppose, of the city. So you can't really have it all. That's like one that's tiny wee criticism, but the rest is pretty decent, to be honest. Uh, it sounds as if it's something that you can't avoid. You've got to take that with the living in a city. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the pros weigh out the, out the cons. That's right. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not the same fresh air as you get in New Lanark, is it? <laughs> it's not, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right, on. So, right, so there's been a few, you, you both agree, there's been a few embarrassment, embarrassing moments uh, during our teaching careers. 
I don't know if there's been any as much as this. So, one our first uh, day we visited the uh, Calderside Academy, Ryan. Can you remember the very first day we had to go and visit the P department before the summer? I do, yes. So it was like it was a disaster. Yeah, so we parked the cars. Didn't know where the car park was. It was just at the school we worked in. There was a small car park at the front entrance. So we were driving up, thinking, surely that car park isn't for the size of this school. It's only about ten spaces. But surely that's not the only car park. But anyway, we parked in the street. Little did we know later on that there's a massive car park, car park out the back outside of the PE department. Anyway, we get out of our cars. Where's the front door? We didn't know where the front door was. We didn't know how to get into the school. So we walked up the side of the school, up this path, and it was at lunchtime. So the, <clears throat> as you can imagine, just before we walked in, the street was absolutely packed with loads of kids. So mm-hmm. me and Ryan, really nervous about meeting the, the PE department and about meeting the, some of the kids as well, potentially. We both opened the, we both opened the, it was a double door, so we both opened one side each. <laughs> and we were both so nervous. We didn't know who was going to go first and take that big step in. About a thousand kids in the street. So then what happened was Ryan takes a step forward and I take a step forward at the same time. And we end up jamming each other in the doorway. <laughs> and the full place is just looking at two young lads, 21 years of age, coming in. We couldn't Both get jammed, we couldn't get back. Door. I felt like my legs at that point were actually dangling off the ground in like a cartoon. <laughs> and my, my wee legs were trying to work and I couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to the ground to swallow me up. Either that or just <clears> go to revolve and just revolve. And take but anyway, just an embarrassing moment. Everyone was looking at us and laughing. Um, and then we obviously had to walk through past everybody and then into the PT department. <laughs> but that, that was the first, the first step into the school. We couldn't even get that right. First, first day nerves. That's right. <laughs> but I'm sure there are many things to love about Madrid lifestyle and culture. But what do you love the most? I think one of the things I like the most about Madrid is the food and the drink here. Um, there are so many decent bars, cafes, restaurants, and I like how the, you can go out for a, just a little drink or tapas, which is usually really, really cheap, and there's not the pressure that you usually have back home to get absolutely melted. That's mm-hmm. quite an enjoyable thing. Um, more often than not as well, the weather's really decent, so you can just sit in the sun and Aye, that's quite enjoyable. So I think that's probably my favourite thing. What about the football yeah, certainly team? Certainly will, mate. Not as good as yours. Lockdown's got me like the football. Yeah, what, <laughs> I, what about the football? Have you been to any games of that since you've been there? I've been to a few games. I've been to see Atletico a couple of months ago. Um, I've been for a tour of the Bernabeu, but I've not actually been to a game yet. And yeah. there's a team called Rio Villacano that... Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of the, the Scottish people and Irish people live in Madrid. They support them. They've got quite a good wee fan base and oh, um, nice. quite a good supporter group. So what they're in La Liga too. Oh, are they? Uh, so they're like they got relegated oh, a okay. season ago. So they're like down a division, but the atmosphere at their games is brilliant. Aye, they were. They were up there last season, but um, they've had loads of problems with their owners and um, funding and whatnot. So is, is it just a? Is it? Obviously, quite a small club. Is it a small stadium in that, or is it quite a decent? Aye, it's just a tiny wee stadium. It's like seventeen thousand seater or something like that. But it's it's one of those grounds. It's quite steep in three mm-hmm. sides, and then one of the sides is just like a brick wall, <laughs> and some oh, really? flats on the other side. Of it. I bet it generates a really really good atmosphere. Yeah, it's like that stadium. Is it, is, it, 
like, like Braga Stadium, they're built on the side of the A wee bit like that. That's right. That's a very, goals, it's a bit like Fur Hill. It's like a fancy Fur Hill. <laughs> a posh furry. Aye. Not for much longer, because they're going to they're going to go bust. Aye, that's right. Potentially. So, so what you're saying is you prefer going to watch Atletico over Celtic then? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like Atletico Madrid or Real Madrid. I've not really taken to them too much, to be honest with you, yeah. since I'm over here. Oh well. well. That's brilliant to hear that you're enjoying the, no. the, the Madrid lifestyle. Do you think it will be a long-term commitment over there, or do you think you're only going to be there for, for a year? And then you're going to come back home to teach in Scotland. What's your, your thoughts? I'm quite enjoying it at the moment. So I can see it being certainly for the next few years. I want to get a good grasp of Spanish before I go anywhere. So I'm going to just enjoy myself for the time being, get a little yeah. bit more confidence with Spanish, and then um, make decisions after that, I think. But no, things are good. It's so easy to get home as well and to just jump on a cheap Ryanair flight. It's, it's not far at all. And these Aye, days. that's right. It's easily done. Yeah, that's brilliant. All right, finally then, what advice would you give to any anyone thinking about doing the same thing as you or something similar, teaching abroad? I would just say, without trying to sound too cliched, that if you've got a feeling or an inkling that you might want to teach abroad and the opportunities allow you to do that, then you need to go for it. Otherwise, you'll likely look back and regret not having taken that opportunity. Yeah. As you can see, just from what's going on at the moment, circumstances change really, really quickly. So you might not get the opportunity to do that kind of thing ever again if you don't actually go for it at that particular time. So that'd be my main advice. Superb. And Superb. so final question then, in the to sum up the full podcast, Ryan, I'm going to ask you first, teaching abroad, is it worth it? Definitely. I would absolutely recommend it. And if you get the chance to do it, as I say, then you need to do it. Brilliant. Clark, teaching abroad, what's your thoughts? Is it worth it? Absolutely not. Blantyre all the way. <laughs> <laughs> any closing remarks, Ryan? Have you got any closing remarks? <laughs> I do actually, any Clark. I was going to make a... Message? I would say my t- key takeaway message is just what I've said a moment ago, and that if you've got the opportunity, then go for it. But in terms of closing remarks, Clark, there is one small suggestion I'd like to make for future podcasts. Go for it. Absolutely. Okay, so you've talked in depth about the challenges that you pair have faced whilst travelling and coaching South America. You've talked about your adventure in the West Highland Way. But I think there's scope for an episode on the challenges faced whilst teaching physical education in Fife. I think that Christopher <laughs> Mulligan would be a fantastic guest speaker. Between Lewis and Chris, you could draw upon each other's experiences. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure he'd be up for that. He's a local lad. I'm sure he'd be keen to help out the, the new pods. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, key takeaway message. Lewis, what's yours? I think my key takeaway message um, from today's episode relating to teaching abroad would be if you want to, if you feel like you want to, to teach abroad and you've got a notion for it after your probation year or at any point, go for it because I think there's too much of a stigma around leaving after your probation year with people telling you that it's going to put a black mark against your name and you're going to struggle to get a job when you come home. But in actual fact, based on what you've heard today on Ryan's experience and my experience, we both went travelling during our, um, after a probation year and we managed to come home and secure a job. So if you want to go and go away and travel or go away and work abroad, 
it certainly isn't going to hamper your, your chances. So that would be my t- key takeaway message. Go for it if you feel like you want to do it. That's probably me. I think that's going to fill everyone with confidence who's thinking about it because I know there's a few people out there that's not wanting, not wanting to go because they think it will hamper their chances of securing their permanent post when they come back. Yeah. Now, I've heard that a lot myself as well. I think if you if you're that passionate about about the job, then you're always going to find a way to make it work and get yourself a job. So, and the thing is, if if you're that good like you and Ryan are, then you'll get a job anyway. Oh, thanks very much. I'm, I'm flattered by that remark. I'm flat. I'm flattered. <laughs> Clark, what about you? Have you got any any closing remarks from today's episode? I was just thinking about uh, when Ryan was talking about learning a new language. That was that resonated with me because I've always wanted to learn learn a new language, and it's it's actually been Spanish as well. Um, it's part part of your UFA license is to kind of learn a new language, and then the pro license you have to consolidate it and be able to converse in the in the language. So it's something that I'm going to be doing um, myself, and it's something I would recommend anybody to do, even if even if you're not in the teaching profession, it makes you more employable. Um, and just the feeling of being able to go to another country, whether it's South America or Spain, and you know speak their language, and just is a is a great feeling. I would think so. That would be my key takeaway message: learn another language. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that one. Anyway, we could sit all day and talk about PE and sport to this fine young man, but given the circumstances, we're locked down. Thanks for taking the time out your really busy schedule to talk to us today. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I'm absolutely delighted to be invited onto the show today. I've been a long time, huge fan of the podcast, and I oh, truly nice believe that this will propel the podcast into the public eye, especially here in continental Europe. So just happy to do my bit. <laughs> Thanks very much, Egan, mate. It was an absolute pleasure to get you on today. Ryan, Ryan, just just lastly, I'm sure your insights and experience and what you've spoken about today will definitely help others who are thinking of uh, teaching abroad. Here's hoping. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that one as well, Mr. Burrow. You couldn't have you couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks for thanking me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to everybody who listened. Although this episode focused mainly on teaching abroad, I think a lot of what was discussed applies to other jobs with the pros and cons of working in a different country. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and have taken something away from it. If you did enjoy it, you can now subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts at A Wee Bit of Everything to keep up to date with the podcast. Until next time, take care.